0: Are you looking for a great sci-fi read? If so, be sure and grab The Return by best-selling author Gabriella Balcom. Readers are calling it a thrilling ride that's fascinating and amazing. The world doesn't know about the compound hidden underground, and the wealthy investors funding it want things to stay as they are. It's 2030, and scientists have made numerous scientific advances. They use cutting-edge technology with their feline service units and human replicas, HRs as they're commonly known. However, most of the research being conducted in the facility is illegal. If animal rights activists had an inkling of what went on, they'd be clamoring for justice. Human rights activists would scream from the rooftops. More and more of the HRs are dying and they long for freedom. One of the top scientists isn't happy with the situation either. Tensions are mounting and things are not as they appear. Other reader comments about The Return include, This is a thrilling ride. I hope there's a sequel. Man, it got me hooked. Best plot twist I've read in a book. You'll love this book. It had me on the edge of my seat. For more of Gabriella's works, check her out on Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle form. Vampire, werewolf, djinn, phoenix, shapeshifter, and witch. They all came from somewhere. Six humans started the ritual, six supernaturals walked away, but they left behind the one person who could destroy them all, Reese. Now she seeks vengeance on those who stole their power from her body. She seeks her children, for they will pay the ultimate penance. Available at mythmart.com, Amazon, Goodreads, and Barnes & Noble. And now, enjoy this free JSO Modcast show.
1: Hello, everyone. Hello and welcome. Welcome to a brand new episode of My Public Life as an American Nerd. I'm your host, Kevin, and joining me today, as usual, as always, he's my he's my co-host, Mr. Christian Decorda. How are you doing today, sir? I am doing very well. I cannot complain. It's been a really good week. Good, man. I'm really happy to hear that. Uh, it's been a good week for us. Other people aren't having such a good week. Um, yeah. when we're talking about certain things going on in the world today, which we will be talking about today on today's show. We're going to dedicate a really good chunk of it to the SAG after strike, what it means, what it's for, why they're on strike, and what we can do as consumers to, um, or as non-union members in general, what we can do to help spread their message and how we can um, help. The fight that they're fighting which is a really really good fight um i had a chance to catch up on joyride today which we'll discuss i know uh, christian talked about it a little bit last week because he got to see it but we'll be able to get into a little bit more detail with that um and christian's been watching the bear i'm so excited to check it out we're about to start it tonight actually i was talking about that before the show uh so he's going to be talking about that a little bit too and uh kind of Giving a spoiler free uh, review of the first season, right? Like just yes. talking about it and how great you liked it. Um, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you guys for checking out the show. As usual, uh, please like and subscribe wherever you can, leave comments, share the show. It helps us out so much, helps spread the word and all that fun stuff. Um, so let's just, let's really just dive right into it. Let's yeah. talk about the SAG after strike. So for those of you who don't know, SAG AFTRA uh, stands for the Screen Actors Guild. And AFTRA stands stands for American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. In 2012, they merged to create one union. Um, So on, I believe, Monday was the last day of negotiations. On Tuesday, they voted to uh, strike. So they, you know, this union... Over 1,600 actors are on strike right now. Um, they're on strike for uh, better wages and some uh, AI, man. AI, I just, AI is just such My a- My favorite. <laughs> it's a, listen, I've come, so I've, I haven't, i have I'm not going to say I've come around AI because I haven't, but I understand it's a good tool, right? It's a good tool to polish some things up, to fix things. Obviously, like CGI artists can use it too shine things up a little bit. I think it's a really really unique tool um, but it's not supposed to be used this way at all on uh, the way that they're they're talking about using it. Um, so let's let's kind of talk about kind of the core of what this strike is about. So A lot of it has to do, most of it, the big bulk of it has to do with streaming. Streaming is such a new, it's still new, right? Like to us, it doesn't feel new. But when it comes to a lot of these unions, obviously, it is a very, very new thing. They haven't updated the language in the contracts to accommodate for things like streaming and stuff like that. Uh, Essentially, what it boils down to is they're not getting paid their fair residuals for things that they have started in for this, these item, for these things being on streaming. Um, I like to talk about Sean. You know, we're big James Gunn fans on this show. Um, let's talk about Sean Gunn. I don't know if you saw the interview he did with The Hollywood Reporter. Parts of it. Parts of it, yeah. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Sean Gunn was in a TV show called Gilmore Girls, which was a huge success for the CW at the time while it was airing. While it was airing, it was me making residuals right because these actors they get paid up front to be in the shows and then they get residuals to kind of be able to pay their rent to be able to live to be able to be a normal human being and and survive out in the world which is what we all want um basically what happens is you know gilmore girls specifically went to netflix It became a massive success on Netflix, like to the point to where Netflix actually did a revival of the series and they did a whole season as a, you know, they got the whole cast back and everyone back for that revival. That's how successful the show was. Um, But of course the actors, the, um, the talent behind it didn't get anything. They, didn't really get anything for how successful the show was on Netflix there. As we know, we're all well aware, or if you're not, you should be. Streaming services are very, very close to the chest when it comes to their numbers, They don't like to reveal how many people watch their programs. They don't like to talk about what's successful and what's not. Unless something is like a huge, like out of the ordinary hit, like something like Stranger Things, for example, we can use that as an example. That became a huge juggernaut for Netflix. We know this because it's a cultural phenomenon, but it also Netflix was really bragging about that show. But 95% of the time, you're not going to hear about that. Basically, when they went to these studios to negotiate this contract they basically wanted more pay and residuals off of things like netflix and things like that the studios are on board with that the studios in a nutshell are like yeah we can do that the problem is the streamers are really well known for not releasing those numbers so actors will not know if they're getting paid the right amount because netflix could come out and say the show is doing horrible, but in fact, it could be bringing them millions of subscribers a year. Right. Um, so it's just a fair pay thing. It's allowing people to get paid what they're owed for what they made and what was in their contracts when they first signed on for these, for this stuff. So it's not unfair. It's actually very, very fair um, for them to do this, for them to go on strike. Um uh, I was watching the um, the press conference by Fran Drescher, who is the president of SAG-AFTRA, which kind of blows my mind that the nanny is the president. I, I, yeah, SAG-AFTRA. I didn't.
2: If it wasn't for the strike, I would have never known that. Yeah,
1: fact. like it's insane. But she was just, you know, she was talking about the nanny. Like the nanny was one of the biggest shows in the late was it the nineties? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it 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 has lasted on these streaming services, but. Back then when they signed the contracts, it was you get this certain amount for reruns and things like that. This is how you're going to get paid. Now she doesn't see a dime from those residuals from the um, streaming services and such stuff like that. Also what they tried to do, a lot of these like made for streaming series. So Orange is the New Black is a really great example. There was an actress who was on that show. She was showing her residual checks from Netflix, from the show, I think from the whole six season, she made like twenty seven dollars in residuals, like from the show, um, uh, including That's you know, for all the episodes she's in. It's insane. So basically, what the streamers are trying to do is say, "Hey, we're going to give you more money up front, essentially, and then you got to leave us alone." But that also gives the streamer the ability to go and sell orange is the new black to not that this would happen, but they can go sell it to HBO to show on regular programming and they don't have to pay a dime. Right. Right. So I was reading an article earlier this week about Miss Marvel is going to be the first Disney plus MCU show that will be airing on ABC. It's going to be airing like a regular season on ABC. Uh, you know, an uh, anticipation, quote unquote, for the Marvels. Right? They're trying to build up the Marvels, so they're going to be showing it on network television. Their contracts do not speculate that, so they're not going to be making any money off of that. No residuals whatsoever. None of the talent behind it are going to be making anything. Disney knows this, and Disney is using it to their advantage. Um, so it's just this kind of really, really bad back and forth. And that's the same reason writers are on strike, right? So we have the Writers Guild has been on strike for months. SAG-AFTRA just went on strike, so we don't have writers working. We don't have actors working. This also, for the yeah. record, too. I think the last the last
2: writer strike was back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Ah, uh, the last time that both SAG and the Writers uh, Guild were on strike together was what was
1: somewhere in the sixties or something like that. It's been a long time. Nineteen sixty, yeah. Nineteen sixty, yeah.
2: So, um, you know, it, this is this has been building up to this point. Uh, but yeah, let's let's continue. There's, I think, there's also a lot of like misconceptions about like how people are feeling about this because they're like oh it's a bunch of rich actors just trying to get mm. more money it's so so not that there's i have this thing that i want to read from from Please. nick papas well we'll get to that um oh yeah i'll read it okay so yeah um nick papas i i saw this because I, I follow anthony kerrigan if you guys know who he is he's noho hank uh from um the hbo series barry uh he's fantastic uh but he reposted this, this is basically a tweet from uh nick papas if you want to follow or look up nick it's Happy at happiness, like happiness, but with a P instead. Um, so I, I'm just gonna kind of read all this, but because I think this hits a lot of points that I, I think are uh people are, are not understanding about this. So um also his background kind of puts him in a very unique position to kind of speak on of the stuff. So uh, I'll just start. So yeah. um hi all, I write jokes for TV, but not long ago I was a financial analyst. Um, I had my series seven. Uh, For those who say Fran Drescher or SAG-AFTRA members should stop whining and appreciate what they have, let me give you a lesson on capitalism. So the WGA and the SAG-AFTRA are dealing mainly with publicity, with publicly traded companies, companies that have a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders. Netflix, for example, has 88.20% of their shares held by institutional investors banks, hedge funds, insurance companies, etc. So it's easy to get mad at Ted uh, Sarandos or David Sazlav yeah. or Bob Iger uh, because they get paid so much because their only job is to make rich people richer. The WGA and SAG-AFTRA aren't fighting against rich CEOs. They're fighting against an entire system incentivized to exploit workers. Not to mention that in reality, and this is huge 87% of SAG after union members don't qualify for health insurance. Mm -hmm. How much do they have to make to qualify? $26,000 annually.
1: That's it. I mean, like, that's it. I say that's it, as in, like, I was talking to Cassie about this. Like, I make more than that in a year, right? Like, easily. There's no reason why these people should not be making. More than 20 easily 26,000 a year at least.
2: So, because I think when most people think, like, oh, you're a working actor, it's like, oh, you live in Beverly Hills and you're so rich. Mm -hmm. That's almost 90% of working actors in Hollywood that aren't making a livable wage, right? Mm -hmm. This is, I'm not reading this anymore. I'm just talking. So, yeah, getting back to this, uh, these are working class people just like you and me. This morning, Netflix's stock hit a 52 week high. They made, they made institutional investors alone 106 billion dollars this year 106 Ooh. billion dollars Fran Drescher for her entire life is worth 25 million dollars right so A-list actors get paid so much because they're worth it someone has done the math uh you don't have a poster of Bob Iger hanging in your room you don't binge watch a show with David Sazlav uh, you don't go to Comic-Con to meet faces billionaires you pay to see the stars uh, the wealthiest 1% hold 53% of all stocks. The top 10% hold 88.6% of all stocks. Every dollar these media companies don't give to a writer or actors, they hand to millionaires and billionaires. Mm-hmm. So when you say actors and writers are spoiled, you're on the wrong side of history. Um, and I just think like those facts should be very widely spread and very publicly mm-hmm. stated because, like, I again, I think people are just misled. To think you know these are working people like any any of us you yeah. know what i mean like that are followed their dream and trying to do something like you know entertain us and you know struggling really really struggling you know obviously having to probably pick up side jobs as well so you know i, I don't ever want to think like oh well they're just a bunch of like fancy rich people that are no. trying to get more
1: yeah yeah 100 and like these these people you know and it's Like, like you said, most of the guild isn't these higher, you know, yes, these actors are in the guild, but you're not looking at, you know, people like Brad Pitt and Ryan Reynolds. And, you know, like you said, friend, you dress like all these people are, they're standing in solidarity for everyone else. They're not doing it for them. They're doing it for the little people. I hate to say the word little people, but But really ladder of things, a little people. Um, I, I don't know if you read the interview with Bob Iger earlier this week. <laughs> Where, <laughs> yeah, so, um, so let me just go down this list real quick. So, this is the highest paid Hollywood executives in the last five years. I'm just going to go down this quick list, um, of these people. Uh, so David Zaslov, $498,915,318. Ari Emanuel, who is, um, he is a Endeavor Group. He actually, uh, I was looking him up earlier because I was very curious. They actually own like the NHL, the NFL, like broadcasting rights, all that stuff. Three hundred and forty-six million dollars. Reed Hastings of Netflix, two hundred and nine million dollars. Bob Iger, one hundred and ninety-five million dollars. Um, this is per year, by the way. This is this is per year. Uh, Ted Ted Sarandos, one hundred and ninety-two million dollars. Rupert Murdoch course, 174 million. Um, so yeah, those are the main ones I wanted to point out. And Bob Iger was um, had enough, like, I hate to use it. He had enough balls to come out and say um, their demands are just unrealistic. Oh, unrealistic. Yeah. Um, dude, like, come on, dude. you make, I was, I was looking at someone did the math, $74,000 a day. That's more than I make a year, dude. Yeah. Like yeah. you're fine, man. Like you can, Take the pay cut, like I'm not saying they have to do this, but take the pay cut, pay your people more if that's what it takes, right? Like you're gonna be fine. Like you have your billions of dollars stowed away in some account somewhere, you can do it. And and that's kind of the attitude that these studios are taking. One studio exec, this came out earlier this week too, was talking about the writer strike. He was talking about how the studio's plan is to wait until these people lose their houses and their apartments. So essentially the writers will come back Beg for their jobs back essentially um, Because they have nowhere to go Nowhere to live Um, And that's effed up Like that's not the way to To be a decent human being right It's just about being a decent human being And treating the people who are making you money Better than you're doing now None of these movies Would be anything without The of course you get the headliners right Those are the million dollar movies Tom Cruise All these guys right Right um, but then you have everyone else on that set Who makes the movie happen Whether it's extras Whether it's the side role, the, the waiter at the cafe right, Who's serving Tom Cruise's coffee That person should be getting paid I'm not saying Listen, I'm not saying He should be getting paid as much as Tom Cruise Because he's the headliner He's in the bulk of the movie But he should be getting paid well And getting paid what he deserves To get paid for being on that set With Tom Cruise, right? Like it's just basic math, and these people are making you money. These people are making it happen. This is a group of people coming together to make your dreams come true. Um, And I think they just need to step back and look at that. And unfortunately, they will not, which is super, super sad. Um, Speaking of extras, uh, this is another thing that just, I cannot even, like, part of my head, like, I can't even fathom that this was an idea that someone came up with and said, let's try this. Let's see if this works. This it's is crazy like some, that somebody even said it out loud or it's dude, like
2: admitted publicly that this was a plan, right? Oh, God. Like
1: this is some like super villain AI crap. Like this is where it starts, right? Like this is where AI yeah, exactly. really starts to take hold and be like, all right, like we're gonna replace human actors with AI. So one of their negotiation, one of their ideas, something that they wanted to put in the contract was that they wanted to. Pay extra actors for one day of work, scan them completely, scan their face, scan their bodies, and use them whenever they saw fit with no residuals to the actor whatsoever. So you get paid one time to come in, get your body scan, get paid for one day of work. Then the studio can use you for as long as they're in business. They can use you in any movie they want. They can use you in- yeah. Without any consent whatsoever. They can use you in Mission Impossible 10. They can use you in, you know, Avatar Six. Like they can use you in any movies that's going to make tons of money, and you're not going to see a dime off of it. And somehow some some studio executive was like, Yeah, dude, like let's let's see that. They're gonna love that. Like, this is a great idea. Let's let's do it. Um, you gotta think that they were expecting a backlash from that, right? Like, I mean who thinks like it, who would who would even think that that's a good idea at all like I don't I don't get it
2: because it, okay. it, it's basically trying to eliminate the whole extra part of acting because like I mean you you get enough and then it's like why would you ever hire act like extras if you just oh, need like yeah. a background crowd you know what I mean or like
1: and that, that's yeah I get why they were doing it. I mean, I'm not, not, I don't agree with that at all, but I understand why they were doing it. You know I mean? Like all of those make sense, but it's like, who's going to bring that to the table and be like, Oh yeah. Extras are going to love this. Like people are going to love this idea. Um, That's just insane to me. Um, I have
2: a couple of friends that have, that used to like, I have a friend. I, 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 mm, it's it's reaching, calling him a friend. (laughs) Somebody that I used to know who did, um, who was an acting and like, over the course of our, us knowing each other he went from being like a background extra actor to getting like lines and actually eventually being oh, wow. able to like get into SAG and everything um I, and i have another i haven't seen her in a while but she did a lot of like on Westworld um especially season 1 they just had like oh, that's a, couple, cool. a bunch of nude clones like oh, right. like you know what i mean i, I actually know a few of those people because you know working with a lot of the models here. in yeah. um yeah you know it's it's already hard work Right. It's it's a lot of like it's so you might have a 14 hour day. You're lucky if you get like good catering or at least you get enough catering. You know, it's a lot of waiting around you. The cool thing is you get paid even if you're not shooting. You're just you get paid for the hours that you're there during the day. And a lot of times like it's it's a lot of like up and coming people who are just like excited to be part of it. You know, yeah. I mean? And like just excited to be part of the, the the machine and like, you know, to be able to look like, oh, there I am. Um, so. Stuff like that, it's just, it just really shows how little the studios thinks of, of their actors and of, of like the labor that it's necessary to make these beloved things. I think the really shitty thing, and I, I just don't understand why this isn't talked about more, it's like everything that the studios are demanding, if they got their way, this just equals, equates to a far worse product right like 100% poorly, poorly written things like eliminating the human touch of even just background stuff like that it's still super widely important like like that's how important the bottom line is to to Hollywood is that they are absolutely willing to like lose quality if that means that they can make more money and that's rough that's rough thing man cuz as as a as a fan of movies mm. you're not convincing me man like right. you know even also, just a goddamn human being like you're not you're absolutely not convincing me. I'm like, you know what I mean? As a creative person who works with stuff like this, so you're not convincing me. Like there's there's nothing where I'm like, oh, I get that, though. I get that. I understand it's shareholders trying to and it's, it's a bunch of executives that are trying to project or protect the bottom line, maximize profits. But, you know, I mean, this feels like you're it's it's really it feels short sighted. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like in the long term this is going to equal a far it's
1: going prompt. to be very um so hollywood's already kind of like so they're already so i have talked about this before but like for the let's talk about the mcu right like we we're fans of the mcu to a certain point um i would honestly have to say that like batman and and uh, quantum mania was probably my like yeah, that was like my line, right? Um, and it wasn't because like I don't respect, um, you know, CGI artists at all. Like those guys work their asses off, and they do really, really amazing work. So that's not the problem. The problem is storytelling and the way it's written and the way the characters are portrayed and what you're implementing CGI with as opposed to realistic things. Right? Yeah. AI is a tool that allows photorealistic stuff to happen, right? Like, I don't even know if it's really been tested, like photorealistically, like actually having an actor act. I mean, you've seen, have you seen those AI created commercials that people are making that are just like terrifying? Like they're, like there's a, but like, it's like, they're just typing a thing into an algorithm. The people look fine, but they're doing all these weird things with their mouths and their eyes. Like they can't quite figure out how to act like human beings. Like AI can't quite, understand how humans move how humans talk things like that so i think you know the equivalent of 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 them using ai is going to be like cgi is now right like cgi has kind of taken a point to where people are just kind of i don't want to say done with it because again i respect the artists i respect the people who are doing it and it has its place but when you're just overblowing things with just cgi because you could instead of paying for the actual product It looks fake. It looks bad. And that's what's going to happen with AI, right? Like, even with the writing, with the cinematography, everything. It's going to look, there's going to be that uncanny valley, right? Like, no matter what you do, it's going to be there, like, 100%. It's like the opening. Every actor is going to look like the opening of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, right? Right. He's young. It looks great. And I thoroughly enjoy that opening. But if you look close enough, it's super, like, kind of, like, Weird, right? It's that un- Kenny valley doesn't quite hit 100% human. You know, it's not like 100% Harrison Ford, but you're willing enough to go along with it. How much of that are they going to be able to do before we kind of like, I can't do this anymore. I'm done with going to the movies. You know what I mean? I like guess just not going to work.
2: Just to kind of talk about the, the CGI thing, I, I just really want to talk about that. I, I know I think we've talked about this implementation of a of not AI, sorry, of, of CGI into movies. And I think it works best when it's really trying to integrate into a lot yeah. of like what you catch in camera. Um, I think especially watching like like and I miss special features. I because I don't buy as oh, many blues rays as I used me to, too. but God. It was probably, I would say, like 70% of the reason why I would go mm-hmm. out and buy physical media was to watch special features.
1: Yeah. Um, and I oh go ahead. Just real quick, like if it's used to enhance, like people don't realize how much CGI is used just mm-hmm. to enhance the story. Like I, I know it sounds sounds weird as a weird something like Schindler's list, right? There's CGI in there. Like it it's you know, the little girl with the red coat, things like that. That all works really well. Um the the most grounded drama you're going to see most likely has something CGI in there, but incorporates so well in there. Like yeah. that's insane to me, but go ahead. Sorry.
2: That's So that's, that is a big part of like, so again, I went to school for animation. I, I teach uh, mostly animation students. Um, at, at, so it's previs and animation. So I'm dealing with a lot of people that are going to be doing like concept art, um, you know, animation. So stuff cool. like that. Which is, which is a lot of fun. A lot of the students that I get will, will work at a smaller effects house. So there are a lot of scenes in movies that, yeah, exactly, you don't know. Like you see a car peel out and mm-hmm. they needed to add smoke coming out of the tires because that right. wasn't caught on camera. So I think that's where CG is at its best. It's when it's just enhancing the stuff you have in camera. When I remember Favreau was talking about it when they were doing the opening shot of Iron Man 2. And and or like any flying shot, he always tried to make it feel like there was somebody behind the camera, right? Like how it would be if you were actually shooting a plane in the sky. Yeah. So like like I think where it falls flat and where it doesn't work, and we're seeing this a lot in the MCU now, is when you're making an impossible shot. Like it's just like there's no way realistically this would have been shot live action. You know no. what I mean? It's like yeah. the camera moves are impossible. The things that are happening are absolutely impossible. Like there's kind of a fun way to do it. I, I Fincher does it a lot because I think that's part of his aesthetic is the unnatural camera move. You know yeah. what I mean? And
1: it but looks then, great, yeah.
2: Yeah, and it looks beautiful because it's so uncanny. But when you push it to the point where it's like you, you, you're you, pulling this the audience out because there's like, there's fucking no way, dude. What am I looking at? Like, mm-hmm. sorry, Optimus Prime, you just took me out. So it's like, <laughs> you know, and I, as a person who like, is heavily like you know i i'm heavily educated on like a lot of like the stuff that i really really appreciate the stuff but then i think we're we're getting to that jeff goldblum of like we we were doing this stuff but we never stopped and asked ourselves yeah stuff. yeah we were too we,
1: preoccupied yeah of figuring out that we can do it yeah i know what you're talking about yeah. it's true though it's true like we're we're hitting this weird age and and that's why these negotiations were happening right because we are in a new era of AI. We're in a new era of, of all these things. Um, so that's why they started in the first place, because it was time for the new language and the new contracts to associate things like streaming and AI. Um, so there's, there's also a list of productions that are already shutting down, right? Like, so these, like, like you have movies like, you know, Deadpool 3 was one of the, the biggest ones, um, Deadpool 3, Mortal Kombat 2, uh, Clint Eastwood film, Juror number 2, which I didn't even know was a thing, um, Gladiator 2, which was two-thirds done for yeah. shooting in Morocco. That one stopped. Um, also hitting the brakes are Venom 3, Live Action, Lilo and Stitch, Beetlejuice 2, Minecraft the movie, and uh, Mission Impossible dead reckoning part two um, has also um, stalled filming as well um, this is just going to keep happening right i was reading an article today that a lot of productions in like the uk like the second season of house of the dragon for example is not going to be affected because those actors are in the english guild of acting guild so they're able to skirt around the sag after but they're they're standing in full support like they yeah, are absolutely. fully on board they are Talking about it, um, you have all these, you know, so actors can't, um, I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit what the strike means, right? So like, we know the strikes happening, but what does it mean? Like, what, what does it mean for the actors? Well, what's going on? So obviously actors cannot make public appearances, they can, so they can make public appearances, but they cannot promote any film project coming up, or and they can't even really talk about anything they've done in the past so they can i don't know they might be able to talk about things they've done before but anything coming upcoming they cannot speak about at all so if you're going to comic-con things like that don't expect any panels for upcoming movies or anything like that the actors can still show up they will still be making appearances they can still be signing stuff and doing all that but they cannot discuss future projects um they also cannot do any uh, and that goes hand in hand with promotion like they can't do any promotion whatsoever for any upcoming movies until the strike is done i was reading right before i started recording this the haunted mansion premiere happened tonight which is a sunday july 16th none of the cast was there so they had cast members dress up as characters from the movie to walk the red carpet as you know ooh, like that's cool um i i do want to read something that i found on um let's see um that I found on Twitter today from a SAG-AFTRA member. Um, This is just kind of a list of things of what it means and and what can done. So it says, hello, everyone. Just want to clear something up about what is and isn't allowed during the SAG-WGA strike. I see a lot of unintentional misinformation online. So for current members, you're not allowed to promote anything or perform services for a struck company, the studio. So you can't go out and promote your million-dollar action movie now, like... The um, the promotion and the interviews and everything for things like Barbie and Oppenheimer, which will be out next weekend for the Haunted Mansion, all those things have come to a halt um, for non-members. So that's people like us. That's people like you know, um, even influencers and things like that. The only thing pro- prohibited for non-union members is performing covered services for a struck company, which means being paid for a job from a studio. So I was actually having a discussion with another podcaster earlier uh, this weekend, uh, yesterday, uh, and he was asking, uh, he was asking what, uh, what were we going to do like pertaining to the strike? Like, you know, they're playing with the idea of doing certain things like not covering films and stuff. And, and um, my answer to that was, um, as long as we're not getting paid to do it, I think it's fine. Right, like we could talk about it unless we're at the red carpet doing it. I think it's totally fine. And I'll go into my reasons why in a few minutes, um, why we're still going to be covering new movies and new stuff coming out, and why I'm still going to support movie theaters and stuff. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, the official strict notice sent out to us does not say that you can't promote films. In fact, not promoting could end up hurting SAG and WJA members because it would be devaluing our work, which would only help the studios in negotiations. SAG members are asking for you guys to continue to promote things because you're the only hope we have of getting our films seen. Um, so we'll get into that in a second. Um, another thing um, that they also wanted to make really strong. This is just another um, another um, post that I found. Um, I'm sorry, I don't have names for these. I did find them and they're from you know people who were actually in psych after. I was just so excited that I was like, I need to talk about these because these are kind of the points that I've been bringing up as well. Um, So lots of people want to support us by canceling their streaming subscriptions. Unless the unions come out and call for that, though, please don't. We were told back in 2021 when we were negotiating that the AM. PTP loves to use data to control us. Canceling streaming services feed their assertion that streaming is inherently volatile and risky. And that is why they should be able to hire fewer of us and pay us less. They maintain that streaming is still untested. We all know that's the primary way people watch what we make. It's a lie. The best way to help us right now is to donate to the Entertainment Community Fund, um, which is entertainmentcommunity.org. It supports the people making the film and TV you love, and we can apply for grants to help keep our bills paid. So with all of that being said... There's this. There has been this ongoing debate about whether or not we should still support movies coming out. Whether or not it is our responsibility as podcasters, as I don't even want to call us influencers because we're not that at all, but content creators, content creators to talk about new stuff coming out because it's what we do. We like talking about it. We like promoting it, or in some cases, not promoting it if it's you know bad or whatever the case may be. Um, and my assertion to that is that. I think it's important that, you know, these, you know, this is all it is, right? Like um, they did not call for a boycott of content. They did not call for anybody to boycott anything. What they need is for theaters to survive and thrive. What they need is for streaming services to survive and thrive. If we start boycotting movie theaters, new movies coming out, if we start boycotting streaming services, things like that, we're quietly telling the big wigs up top, that they don't need these actors because they're not doing anything because they're not making them money. So why should they hire them back by us going out there? And so I got, I'm so excited for next weekend. I'm very excited. I am doing um, me and one of our good friends, Nick is doing a double feature next weekend. We are doing Alpenheimer and Barbie Our Barbenheimer weekend. It's going yep. to be amazing. We're doing it on Saturday. It's going to be awesome. People go out and see these movies go out. It doesn't have to be Barbie doesn't have to be Oppenheimer go see whatever you want to see go see Joyride go see Indiana Jones, make these studios want these movies make these studios think that know that we need these actors, we need this content. We need real life people because what happens? We don't go see it. They don't make money. The studios are just like, eh. We can replace them with AI. Like nobody wants to see these anyways. No, it needs to be the opposite. We need to make their pocketbooks feel like they're dwindling, right? So how we do that? We go see these really great movies now. Oppenheimer makes a hundred million this weekend. Barbie makes two hundred million. These are inflated numbers. I'm just. Pulling something out of my ass, the studios are gonna be like, oh crap, like we really need to get these people back because if we don't, we're not gonna make money. Like that's just the that's just the bottom line. If 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 we don't have people like Margot Robbie, Cillian Murphy, Ryan Gosling, um, all these, you know, Harrison Ford, Tom Cruise making the money, they're they're not gonna have any money, right? In the future. They're gonna replace it, they're gonna to replace Tom Cruise with with who? Who are they gonna to replace Tom Cruise with? Like, you know, AI, like, you know, Harrison Ford. I don't know. Like, what are you going to do? Like, it's just this weird thing. So go watch movies, stay with your streaming services, show these studios that there is a demand demand is going to create them to, to stop what they're doing. And they're going to sit down a little bit more seriously and be like, we need these people. What can we do to make these people think? Cause in two or three years is when we're going to feel the effect of this strike, right? Not today. It's going to be next year. It's going to be the year after when Deadpool 3 is pushed back, when Dead Reckoning Part 2 is pushed back, when Mortal Kombat 2 is pushed back, Venom 3, listen, as much as that back on Venom, it's a big money maker for Sony. That movie is pushed back. They're not going to make any money next year because they decided to, to lead these negotiations on as, as much as possible. Um, what you guys also can do to support these people is is be vocal about it share things like this podcast or whatever news articles you read, let people know what's going on so that they are more um, willing to. Yeah. I don't even want to say donate money, but they're more willing to spread the word so that the studio heads see that like, we know what's going on. Like, we're not stupid. Like we're not sitting here in this bubble, not knowing what they're trying to pull. Like we know, and we're going to start, you know, the second SAG a calls for a boycott. I, I'm going to tell I'm going to boycott. Like that's just the way it's got to be right. Like once it hits that point, I'm going to do it. You know, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Chris, like you know, uh I respect the um I side with the guilds 100%. Um no crossing picket lines at all. If they say we need to ban Hollywood for a couple weeks, we need to ban Hollywood for a couple weeks. So worst comes to worst, yeah, they say do it, I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm going to cancel my Netflix subscription. I'm going to cancel everything. Yeah. If everyone did that, man, like, the studios would be knocking at their door. Also,
2: TikTok is going to make a killing during that period. They really are.
1: They really, really are. Uh, I mean, like, obviously, like, if you're listening to this, you
2: you can clearly hear where Kevin and I stand on this whole thing. I can't imagine. I don't know anybody personally who's not on the side of the guilds. Um, Me neither. Like, who's going to be like, oh fuck them like i i care about the corporate bottom line like you know like this isn't it's not like it's a fair fight it's not like it's the team red versus team blue this is a huge multi-billion dollar corporations the cor- multiple corporations against the working people you know what i mean like, again yeah. we just kind of read a lot of those stats earlier so i i just can't imagine that anybody is like oh i'm on the side of of like this this, this huge corporation now, like that's crazy. Um, really quickly also to just expand on, on the idea of scabbing and because I think there's been kind of like an unclear discussion that's been happening for the last week online. Right. Um, I think sag after just just released their official. I don't have it on me in front of me. I just saw the, the TikTok, I think, a couple of minutes ago, uh, but they officially like uh, posted their stance on it. So there's a lot of like content creators who are not SAG that are kind of filling in the void corporations are looking for these people because these they're not something but they're looking for people to cross the picket line that aren't Mm going to be bad SAG after has publicly stated this and they've said it again in this their big release that like if you are like an aspiring actor who's not SAG and you cross that picket line to break in, sure. or like to accumulate your bag or something, you are not going to be eligible for sack after no. when all of this is done. So you're really going to screw yourself over uh, by doing that. Um, it's basically like if anybody is coming into like fill the spot, like just what you said about that premiere, uh, that Disney premiere where they ended mm-hmm. up using like a bunch of like Disney park cast members. Like it's kind of questionable. Is that considered scabbing? Right. You know right. what I mean? Like um but again right so it's it's again it's uh uh it's not a boycott as of yet right Right. so there's no there's no call to stop anything or not support everything again the best thing that we can do is still support them because we need to show the studios exactly like why like it's okay let's just talk about this like right why why is it that jurassic park is so beloved to so many people why is it that terminator is so beloved why is it that star wars is so beloved to people is it is it because of like the actors the beloved the amazing uh you know job that they've done on screen is it is it the amazing writing or is it because of that billion dollar corporation that like oh i want to see this because it's a disney movie like no that's not why we watch or remember anything so Mm -hmm. for them to think that like the actors and the writers don't deserve that. It's the craziest thing. It's like, it doesn't even make sense. Like who, who are you trying to fool? Like, who are you trying to convince? I don't, I don't understand
1: no 100 and then that, that's that's exactly it like it's the talent it's the right. writers it's the, the that's the heart of it it's not because it's a universal movie or because yeah. it's a disney movie, right like it's because it looks good and yeah. people really really gravitate towards that um i do want to do a quick shout out um so i don't know if y'all are i'm sure you are but i'm pretty sure most of you guys are are uh, adam conover which i'm sure you're aware of he's uh adam ruins everything um yeah. he's a really super talented guy he's out there too he's in the field he's Striking for the writers and yep. SAG he's on both ends. Go follow him on Twitter. Um, he's got some really, really great insights on the situation. He's a really, really smart, very um, personable guy. He's listed all these things. You know, this is where I kind of went for a lot of my information as far as the strike goes, what we can, what we can do, what we're supposed to be doing, things like that. Um, he's a good source of information. So yeah. definitely go there. He links a lot of stuff, too, on his Twitter a lot of interviews, a lot of stuff from sag After themselves. Um, so he's he's just he's he's one of my favorite people in general. Um, but go follow him on Twitter. He's got some really. If you're interested in learning more about the strike and actually being on the front lines and and learning. Um, another thing you can do if you live in L. A. or New York, you can actually. So please, 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 please. First of all, please. Do not use this as the opportunity to go down there and meet your favorite celebrity and try to get a picture and autograph. Do not do that. Um, There have already been instances with people trying to do that. Do not do that. Um, But you are more than welcome. They even say you are more than welcome to get your picket signs ready and go picket with them. If you're down there for the cause and you support them, go down there, let the studios know, you know, the more the merrier, right? The more people they see striking, the more Hopefully fingers crossed it changes things. Who knows? But um you can also yeah. if you're in the area, stop by Costco,
2: get like a 24 yes. pack of water bottles, yes. grab some like pre-packaged snacks. It's really hot down here right now. So you know, these people are, are picketing uh for for a lot of stuff in the horrible weather. So, like, you know, yes. that that would
1: be very helpful and like much appreciated. Absolutely. Uh, one hundred percent, and 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 again, you know, I I know I said don't go down there to meet your favorite celebrity and just get an autograph or whatever, but who knows? You bring some donuts and some some water. Who <laughs> knows what who might stop by and say hey to you? You know, so like seriously, like go out there support them if you can. Um, it would mean a great deal to them. I know it would. Um, I follow a lot of actors and stuff on Twitter and stuff like that, um, and they're super grateful for any support and even just boosting the message on. Social media, like letting them know, you can use hashtags. Um, you know, one of the main hashtag that they that they re- request that people use is SAG After Strike. So hashtag S A G A F T R A Strike and SAG After Strong as well. So you yeah. can su- show your support by tweeting that and that goes straight up to the studio. So hopefully the studios will see that Uh, you can also donate, listen. And again, we've talked about this, right? We're not donating to the billion dollar actors out there. We're not donating to Meryl Streep, right? Like we're donating to the below the line actors who can't pay their rent because they can't even work right now. Right. So it's kind of this double-edged sword where they're doing a good thing, but it's also, And I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's also forcing people who would be able to get jobs right now not to be able to get jobs. So they're out there striking instead and they're trying to make ends meet. So if you can, obviously, a lot of people are struggling right now. I you know, we all are. But if you could don't do anything, go help them out. Go raise their voice. Let them be heard.
2: Yeah. Kevin mentioned earlier that there's there's basically a fund. Um, Basically, what the union is doing is is obviously like during we don't know how long the strike is going to go and i i think this is a little bit tougher for maybe a lot of the writers but all of them it's the sucks so there is like a fund if people get to a point where they aren't able to pay like let's say rent or have to yeah. do stuff like they can pull from the fund uh but obviously like that's that's kind of a lot you know what i mean so any little thing that you can do to help to donate um can at least help them survive during uh, this. If you're also looking for where this is, if you're here in Southern California, you can head over to Burbank. Any of the major studios are going to be picket in front of or picket lines in front of. You can go to Disney Feature. It's off Buena Vista. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go to DreamWorks. It's right off of Flower. Um, if you go over to Universal, if you go to Netflix, if you go to S- Studio City, you can go to the Fox Building. Like any of like the major. Uh, studio buildings you're gonna find you go to 100%. Paramount, you can go to like Warner Brothers is gonna be protesting everywhere. Um so the NBC studios like this just just drive around Burbank. If you've never mm. been to Burbank have fun. You can go sightseeing. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, exactly. All.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Go support them, bring them some food, bring them some water. They'll be your best friends. Gatorade. People yeah. love Gatorade. Yeah. Um, so again, that, there's that website to donate is entertainmentcommunity.org. Uh, go check that out. You can also visit the sag after website to get more information on the strikes and contract negotiations and all that stuff. They're very transparent about what they're doing. They're not hiding anything from us. So it's the studios that are hiding things from us. So um go support them if you can. So
2: I have you are you part of a union?
1: I'm not. No I, not
2: I am currently not either but one of the schools that I've been teaching at for the last three years uh is working on unionizing. Um oh, wow. and yeah so it's it's really cool. Art center. If you guys aren't familiar with art center art centers are pretty um I don't I'm not I'm not blowing myself up. I'm blowing up the school. The art center is no, like a, a really prestigious art school. Um, I would say it's definitely like one of the bigger art schools in the West. Uh, it's birthed a lot of like artists that you are familiar with. If you're like a car fan, Chip boost came from there. Uh, there's a lot of filmmakers, a lot of directors. There's a lot of like artists that that have come out of there. But yeah, we're 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 working on unionizing, and I think that's really cool. Um, I, I it's kind of a weird thing for teachers to to unionize because especially in the college level, because I I don't even know how I feel about like tenure. Uh, Because I think that's crazy. But anyway, anyway, Mm -hmm. anyway, um, labor unions are really important because like, you know, that's what gives the little guy uh, some bargaining chips when it comes to things like this. Otherwise, you know, you're screwed, man. Like, absolutely. You know, if if you're like a blue collar person, then like, I I don't know, I I can't imagine why you wouldn't want to be part of a union. You know what I mean? Or give yourself some protection or give the little guy a little bit of protection.
1: Yeah. If you can be, might as well, right? Like, I mean, do it. It's, it's totally worth it. So um, yeah, so absolutely go support them if you can. And uh, thank you guys for listening to our rant. I don't, that was, those were those really great to talk about and to yeah. kind of spread the word. So hopefully um, this, hopefully this thing gets resolved soon. Um, I want people to get back to work. Um, I do think that the SAG one is going to be resolved before the WGA, unfortunately. Um, but I do think that hopefully the SAG one will help, expedite the WGA one a little bit more so really really quickly I, I just
2: a, a quick thing about the AI stuff so I don't know if you heard about this but like uh, Sarah Silverman Uh, just started a lawsuit. She is suing, I forget exactly which company she's suing, uh, but but they've been basically feeding their AI using her material. Uh, So this is kind of like a landmark case because we haven't had this specifically. Most artists, most comedians, most writers can't afford to bring a lawsuit up like this. So this is really, really important. It's really fucking awesome of Sarah Silverman to do this uh, because what happens here can kind of dictate what's going to happen with Everybody else who's you know unwillingly, whose whose stuff is is being fed to these AIs, uh, mm. th- these learning programs without their consent. So keep your eyes on that. You can like
1: you that's know, crazy. I did not morning. hear about that.
2: Yeah, I, I'm excited. I, I'm a fan of Sarah's. I've been a fan of her oh, for a long great. time. So she's so funny. Um, but yeah, and like this is really cool of her to do. So hope. good luck she's, to you.
1: She's very yeah. Good luck, Sarah. Uh, like you know, first name basis. Yeah. Good luck, luck Miss Silverman. Um yes, I uh so just real quick story about her. I um we went to go me and my wife when we were living in LA, we um the her and Russell Brand were putting on a free comedy show in LA, and all you had to do was basically it was based on an honor system. You basically said that you were gonna donate at least eight hours of your time to a local charity or something for free. So we did that. It was a lot of fun. It was a fun night. Uh she came. I think uh Russell Brand was no, I think she was first. And then Russell Brand did his thing. And that was insane. It was so much fun. She's hilarious. Um he he used he used to be funny too.
0: Yeah, show, used to. but, uh, but um but
1: no, it was it was a good I show. I, I still I still appreciate the guy. So uh but him and so But that's that's great. I'm glad to hear that that someone is finally taken a stand and being like, dude, like let's not do this. We can't do this. That's crazy. Um, so let's move on talking about box office. Let's talk about the box office results for this past weekend. Um which i think comes as no surprise mission impossible dead reckoning part 1 came in at 56.2 million dollars um did you get a chance to see it are you even a fan of the mission impossible franchise I, to be honest
2: i generally love them um okay, same so yeah. yeah i, I haven't um, seen it I-, I loved the one with henry cavill that was oh my god <laughs> that movie um i can't remember which one was that was
1: that, that was the last one no, that was fallout. fallout
2: fallout yeah that fallout, was yeah. oh my god yeah. exhilarating um Also, after like Top Gun Maverick, like, do we just not? Can we just not bet against Tom Tom Cruise anymore? Like,
1: legit, dude. I'm still shocked. I'm still shocked that that dude has not had a hundred million dollar opening before. I think it was Top Gun Maverick. That blows my mind. I thought that at least every single Mission Impossible past like Part Four at least made that weekend. Like, it's crazy (laughs) to me. Um, Like, my my favorite one, honestly, is uh, Ghost Protocol. Yeah, that one's great. Like, Brad, I still, I still, like, it's still insane that Brad Bird, like, that was his first live-action directorial debut, and he did that, like... It's, yeah. dude. But then it led to Tomorrowland, which is a movie I enjoyed. A lot of people hate it, but it was fine. Um, I still like the guy, though. He's a genius, yeah. He's a, especially at animation, like everything he does. Um, number two uh, came in this weekend at $27 million, which is Sound of Freedom, which I'm quite frankly sick of hearing about. Um, I understand it's a very, very important film, but um, there are issues. I uh, heard that a
2: John F. Kennedy Jr. went and watched it in disguise.
1: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, um, there's a bunch of oh man, that movie that's a whole other subject for a whole other episode. Um, this and the topic is horrible and I completely listen. I, I I it's it's god awful that this stuff is happening and I don't agree with that at all whatsoever, obviously. But this movie, man, it's just it's making the rounds and it's I don't know if it's the good way or bad way, but uh it's interesting nonetheless. Uh, number three at 13 million is Insidious the Red Door. Um which uh, i'll talk about that in a little bit why um you know how this weekend went and why i didn't go watch that and how much i do love the insidious franchise um <clears throat> indiana jones and the dial of destiny at 12 million and rounding off the top five is elemental at 8.7 million uh, that seems to be the the it's one of pixar's lowest grossing movies but it seems to be the movie that's just kind of holding on like yeah i've seen it drop super far i think a couple weekends ago it actually moved back up to number one and then it went back down like it's Fluctuating like like crazy. um It was good though. I really enjoyed it.
2: There was a movie that I I saw last week that you saw this week that just didn't make the top five there. But not. yeah, how uh, was your? What are your? Which thoughts? is a shame.
1: So Joyride. Uh, so yeah, that actually brings me to Insidious real quick because I'm oh yeah. Sorry. Insidious. <laughs> no, no, it, it actually plays into that. I um I love Insidious. I love the franchise. The first two are especially my favorites. This one uh, directed by Patrick Wilson and the whole cast from the first two are coming back, the whole family, super, super excited to see it. Um, But it just didn't really like from watching the trailers and everything, I just wasn't super thrilled with what I was seeing. And my wife yesterday was my birthday, the 15th. And I was like, you know what? Like, it's a tradition for me to watch a movie every weekend, like on my birthday, like around my birthday, pick a movie to watch. I'm going to go watch it as a birthday movie. Um, So last night, which was Saturday night, we actually just stayed home. We had some Hawaiian barbecue and watched Two Frame Roger Rabbit because, you know, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, So this morning we were like, hey, what do you My wife was like, she figured I was going to go see Insidious. She's like, let's go watch Insidious today. I know you really want to watch. I was like, no, 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 no. I need to watch Joyride. Yes. Not only have I heard great reviews, but Christian was like talking it up last weekend and we just we're going to go see it. She was really excited to see that too. She was like I'd hoping you'd want to go see that one. So um yeah, man, we we went to go see it and uh we had an absolute blast. Um so first of all, this movie is not for kids. <laughs> you know? I don't know who who would think to take their kids to this movie. Hard it's R. It's a hard it's a hard R yeah. too. Yeah. Um but it is one of the funniest movies I think I've ever seen, to be honest. Like, not just this year. Like, it. it's, yeah. it's so ridiculous. Like, it gets ridiculous at points to the point. You know, it's produced by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. I, right after the movie ended, I looked at my wife and I was like, why is it that the movies they produce that they aren't, that Seth Rogen isn't starring in completely are so good. But the movies he's in aren't, like great you know what i mean it's always the movies they produce and they're also producing the new ninja turtle movie which is coming out soon so that's an interesting like double double whammy for them yeah um yeah, like, like this was certainly in the vein of things like um, it reminded me, you know, they uh, reminded me of Good Boys, right? Like they have this string of like really raunchy R-rated comedies with uh, characters who I, I guess, you know, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but characters you wouldn't particularly assume would be in these situations, right? Um, they use something like Good Boys was about a group of like middle schoolers who were elementary schoolers, whatever it was getting into some messed up situations, super bad. You know, they also produce super bad. Um, so it's kind of in the vein of all of those. Um, I thought this movie was just, an absolute blast from beginning to end. I couldn't stop laughing. Like there was stuff in there. Like you said last week, like, I don't know if we're thinking about the same scene, but I think this is, was this the one you were talking? No, you were talking about no hard feelings where there was that one scene that just like was just absolutely insane. Um, but uh, this one just had some of the most like just insane. The scene on the train, like the, you see it in the trailers, and it's so funny in the trailers. But when it's happening in the movie, oh my god! You're just watching Stephanie Shu, man. She is comedic genius in this thing. Like she is so the dragon
2: tattoo. <laughs> I, I will give this to Stephanie Hsu. I commend any comedian who has no shame level. Like, they oh, will yeah. do anything for a laugh. Stephanie Hsu, right Any, All of them. All of them, honestly. Like, God, that whole cast.
1: The whole cast, uh, Ashley Park, Stephanie Shu, Sherry Cola, and Sabrina Wu were the main, um, mm-hmm. kind of the main four girls. Um, Sabrina Wu, she's one of my favorite things ever. Dead Eye, I thought she was just hilarious. Like, I... Oh my gosh. Like she made me laugh every time she popped up. I was so happy to see her every time. And, and this movie does this thing like we were talking about earlier where you're just so you're crying with laughter, like literally tears in your eyes. And then it hits you with this moment that you're just like, then you're crying from just like being sad. And like, it's just this, this moment that just really, really gets your heartstrings and, and just really gets, gets you going. And um, just a wonderful movie. Like I, 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 I absolutely love, I, I, I don't want to spoil it too much or get too raunchy on here. Cause there's a, a lot of the stuff that I thought was super funny was the stuff that I sh- probably shouldn't talk about on this podcast. Um, but like the stuff with the, the pills, you know, when she was talking about how she gets very horny when she's on cocaine, um, and, uh, that whole scene at the hotel where they were all hooking up with oh the different guys and then at the end they all all the dudes are like injured and they're part of this basketball team and it's just the funniest thing i'd ever seen in my life
2: just the the comedic writing on this there's there's at least three times in the movie where they know they know this is the oh, golden scene and yeah. it just crescendos like it's going and you're like oh this is funny and then it starts to get funny and it just gets faster and faster and funnier and funnier and you're like hyperventilating you you're laughing so hard sometimes you kind of miss a couple of jokes because they're coming so fast but yeah 100 uh, but it also just like more reason to watch it again you know it's yeah it's great we we've we're kind of in this like you kind of realize it's been a little while since we've seen ranch comedies like this it has um, been and like this year for whatever reason we get two female-led brunch comms uh that were both fantastic i i do have to get, put my hat like right I found to be like the funnier one of the two. I hate comparing, but yeah, absolute like blast. Um, you're you're not gonna be. I can't imagine. Oh, however, Kevin, you
1: did mention that a couple people walked out on your watch on your couple people did walk out, and I think I think I honestly think it just got it got too much, like it got to the point (laughs) where some people just couldn't handle the raunchiness. Um, and that's what it seemed like. And uh the stuff they walked out on was just it was gold, like it was comedy gold. Um the movie's directed by Adele Lim, who's a who's a screenwriter generally. She actually wrote Crazy Rich Asians. Um she also wrote uh, Raya and the Last Dragon, which I didn't oh, This cool. is her directorial debut. Um which is actually yeah. Wait, you haven't seen Raya and the Last Dragon? No, I you, I just got yelled at yesterday about not seeing that. I actually I really like that movie. I got to check it out. Yeah, that movie was actually really really well done. Um yeah, she's, she's been around for a while. These are her only three like um, sh- big screen credits. She's done other things for television. She was a script coordinator on Xeno Warrior Princess. Um, she worked a story editor on a bunch of shows, Las Vegas, One Tree Hill, uh, Life on Mars, Life Unexpected, Missing um, Rain. Uh, lethal Weapon dynasty, but, but yeah, this is her directorial debut, and I think she did a fantastic job. Um, I think the ideas, the themes of kind of trying to find where you're, where you're from, and who you are, um, were really great. Uh, there's one scene that made me laugh towards the beginning. Um, so th- this movie, it 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 just goes for it, right? Like it doesn't hold anything back, and that's one thing I loved about it. Like it's not afraid to make fun of anybody and everybody. Like it's just it's just great. And, you know, and I don't say this in a bad way at all, but we'll, you know, white people and them trying to be, um, you know hip and cool and be there was a huge emphasis on the boss trying to be he's like no i'm totally not that way You know, i'm an ally fired i'm (laughs) not i just i hired a straight white guy last week or whatever (laughs) there was a scene where like they were talking at the beginning at the racquetball court and she's like and the dude was like he said something and and then uh there's a character named kevin in there (laughs) and kevin's like Apparently we can't say anything. And the boss just (laughs) starts yelling. He's like, Kevin, shut up, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) That was so funny. Um, And it just like, you know, at the beginning at the playground, when they first meet, they're like, is your daughter Chinese? And the family's like, yeah, why are you asking us? And then you find out, you know, they have an an, Asian descent daughter who's been adopted and they're trying to find someone like her, you know, for her to be friends with. Um, But I really enjoyed it. I, you know, I love movies like that, that just aren't afraid of like pushing these buttons and making fun of things, but it's all done in a good hearted way. Right. Like it's never done to be mean. It's always done in like a really funny, really, you know, heartfelt kind of way where it's not again, like I didn't listen and I know I'm white, right? Like I'm half white, half Mexican, but I did not walk out of that movie being like, they made fun of white people too much. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, yeah, like people suck sometimes, like, that's the way we are, like, but, you know, it takes that kind of stand. And I think that's really, really great. I think that's really funny.
2: I do want to talk about this really quick because you brought up the yeah. opening of Joyride. Uh, back in like 2006, I wrote a comic book. I never finished it, um, but I, I, my main character was a like young Filipino girl, and it I basically took place in like the 80s and 90s. So right. I just wanted I, I could use it so I could like implement my life into it, and if I aged her up, I didn't have to go into the future. Uh, but I kind of so if you've seen Joyride, you know what I'm talking about. But at some point at the the beginning of the comic book that I wrote, I had her in class and she says something and somebody turns around and says like oh blah 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 you chink and she like and i have a big splash page and she turns around she's like i'm filipino you dumb fuck like (laughs) and like you know a little girl saying i thought that would be really cute and fun because oh yeah yeah and that happened to me a lot growing up like people calling me like racial slurs but the wrong one and me having correct people um, <laughs>
1: ridiculous
2: so like that happens in joy there's mm-hmm. some little boy that comes up and he's like oh the, the slide's not for ching chongs and he gets punched in the face and i was yeah, like great minds think like i love to yeah. see that on film that's
1: really good he gets punched um, in the face and then kicked
2: yeah by
1: the kid on the swing which i it's... thought was
2: and it's Hilarious. comedy violence and it's really done. It's, it's really cute because it's little kids. And she's like, Do you want to be best friends? Right out. It's so cute.
1: So um, good. Yeah. That whole really opening good. was adorable. Like I was like, Oh my goodness. They're so cute. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Go check out Joyride. Um, I would uh, highly, highly recommend it, especially if you're looking for some good laughs and you're not afraid of a little bit of raunch. Like, a lot Ranch. yeah um, go check it out
2: also like being a, like a, an asian person by the way i'm filipino for if, we're, if we're being yeah. very specific you Filipino. <laughs> so when you fill out those paperworks i always used to put in before there was a filipino thing to actually fill yeah. in i used to say pacific islander i've been corrected and i i guess the filipinos are not considered pacific islanders were considered asian um, so oh, wow. if, if it's I'm either Asian or I'm Filipino. Anyway, Um, one of the things, and I, I've kind of talked about this before, and I'm sure this is something that a lot of you people who are listening to this can relate to. I'm of Filipino descent, but I was born here in the states. I'm mm-hmm. American. I'm American. I don't even speak another language. I probably look like that. I've also right. been told by people like, "Wow, you have you speak very good English." Oh and I'm my like, gosh! Oh, well, I I hope so because it's oh. the only goddamn language I speak. Um, So.
1: Oh, my God. So
2: the, the problem is like when I'm here in the States for the most part, when people see me, they I don't I'm not seen as an American. I'm seen as a Filipino. Mm-hmm. And if and I've been to the Philippines so, and I've been around Filipinos and I'm not considered Filipino when I go that, there, I'm considered American. So I'm never I'm always like on the cusp of cultures right and that was kind I, of the
1: uh, thing with this movie right
2: and i loved that they yeah. they kind of addressed that because it's such a unique perspective but it's also like a, a a very broad like a lot of people can relate to that you know what i mean mm-hmm. like that idea of like cultural identity um is you know it's it's cool that it's being spoken about um, that is great I, no that I
1: is r- really really great and i i don't i don't feel like cuz i I pass as white, like, I'm not gonna lie, like, I'm, I pass as white really well, but like, I'm really, really proud and like, really happy about my Mexican side. But I know if I go to Mexico, like, there's no way like, it's like, dude, you're not you're not Mexican. Mike. I,
2: I think this is so I don't know if you would. I don't think I've ever talked about this, even like with friends. But there were times when I was like, really young, like a kid where I was like, I wish I was white. Um, and yeah. then I, I remember I got a little bit, I like, I was like, if I could pick my daddy would be Joe Montana and Cindy Aww. Crawford would be my mom. Um, and then I got a little bit older and then it was like, I wish I was black, uh, for sure. Right. I, I, was, I was black. Uh, but like, it, it wasn't until I got into like, you know, junior high and high school where I could actually, you know, be comfortable and then also be proud of like who I am. Um, so it, it's, it is, it is kind of weird that like, I don't know. You know, when you're a little kid, and you don't understand things. I don't know where I was going with this. I think I just no, to- I, I,
1: I, no. I no. Yeah. No. It's it's a it's a complicated relationship. I think we you know a lot of people have with where they're where they're from versus their I guess their nationality versus their their right. Uh, heritage right ah, like right. it's that weird kind of balance um
2: i've kind of realized that i'm, I'm very very happy with being filipino in you Southern california be. like i i i find it like this so like i don't stand out which i i like right. you know what i mean so i kind of have learned how to operate from like being people think less of me or people don't assume anything of me and then fucking you know what i mean yeah Uh, i i really like that because like i don't there's no expectations when i walk in um i also have like anonymity when i do that i've also noticed if i specifically and there's like you know other cultures that can do this that can go back and forth so i can go to like you know a a really fancy place and an upscale place and like you know if i dress right then i can people won't be like oh get this guy out of here uh but i could also go to like San Bernardino. And also like, nobody's going to be like, get this guy out of here. You know what right? I mean? like, Exactly. I feel like I can blend in wherever I go. So, mm-hmm. and and that's kind of a weird thing to say, but I, I no, hope that makes sense. But It does
1: make sense completely. 100%. <laughs> Well, Christian I'm glad you're Filipino I'm glad you're here <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm glad you're you and I'm glad you're having <laughs> I me I so. appreciate yeah. that um so yeah um so just uh, to kind of round things off a little bit let's talk about the bear a little bit man so the bear is something that I'm super super excited to watch I have not watched any of it yet it's it's like at the top of the list like it's it's up there it's just waiting to be started in our Hulu queue uh you watched the first season um, give us a, a mini spoiler-free review of the first season of the bear.
2: Just really quick. I I finished season one. I only started it like late last night. Oh, gee. Um, that's how I was like, I will watch an episode. Uh, and then here I stand. Um, we watched it because so Dana watched see all of season one by herself. Um, her TikTok has kind of become Taylor Swift talk or Taylor talk <laughs> or whatever. Um, and there's a specific scene from season two mm. of The Bear. That has made its rounds on TikTok. So I can think that inspired her to watch it. She watched the whole thing. And she's also not the type to rewatch things. So she's seen it once she kind of doesn't watch. The right, skin. right. Um, I watched it after she watched it. And she watched the whole thing again with me. She's like, um, wow. I can't tell you. So uh, the first of all, the writing in this is beautiful. Uh, the cinematography and this is gorgeous. The lighting in this is better than a lot of like modern film, I would say. That's um because cool. there are just some like throwaway shots where I'm like whoa, wow. Um the the acting where they found all these people, the the lead guy um oh my god, Jeremy Allen White. Yes. Fantastic, man.
1: Um uh the 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 show, uh that's Oh my god! I'll get it right now. It's it's um, it, like it, my wife, like she watched every single episode. I watched, caught it when it was on. Shameless, um, Shameless, Shameless. Right? He's yes, from Shameless. Yes. Um, the main
2: three people are Jeremy Allen White. He plays the bear uh, or mm-hmm. um, uh, I mean, Carmen Carmy. Um, His cousin um, or Richard or Richie is played by one of my favorite actors. I've just noticed him, and he's like on fire right now. Eben Moss uh, Bacharach. Um, He was in. Uh, one of the better arcs uh, and like from Andor. So love him. Um, He was from season one of the Punisher, probably the standout of the Punisher season one. Love him. Uh, He was also in um, No Hard Feelings. He had a really small part, but really funny. Oh, really? And like kills it in this. Evan Moss, Backrack, like I just, that guy. It's also really impressive because it takes place in Chicago and he full on does, it's subtle. Oh yeah. He's doing Um, a Chicago accent, like really Same with
1: Shameless. Yeah, Shameless was based there too.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I like the anxiety of this show. Um, it's if if you are not familiar with like the the culture of like the kitchen, you know, like the the back end of a restaurant. Um, you rough, will, yeah, you will see it here. So I I've seen reviews from people and like like, real-life chefs who don't watch the show, not because it's unrealistic, but because it triggers them because it's too uh, real. They're like, I can't. Know, I, I. It's my day off, and I, I'm back in the kitchen watching this. Like, no, I'm not going to do it. Um, There is, I will say this, episode seven of the first season is one shot, and it's not like a... I heard about time. that one. It's not like Birdman, where it's kind of fake, and you they kind of edited it together. It's genuinely one shot. It's 17 minutes uncut of anxiety insanity like it's so good it the show is so good though everybody's so believable my favorite character might be Sydney uh I love her uh I just discovered her on this but she's also going to be the voice of April o'neill uh, oh that's um, cool Ninja turtles she's nice. a stand-up she's been in a couple of other things so Uh, It's really funny. Abby Elliott from old SNL from the 2000s. She's in it. Um, Maddie Matheson. If you watch any cooking stuff on YouTube, you've probably seen him. Uh, So, so funny. What a personality, but man, what a great actor. Yeah. Uh, So yeah. yeah. Um, There's uh, Marcus is one of my favorite characters. It's just, you'll love the cast. Even the people you're supposed to hate, you still love them, which is one of my favorite things. And they do like my favorite thing in writing is where the characters uh, flaw or like the the flawed characters come, it comes from their strength, right? The thing that makes them such an amazing character right. is also their flaw. I love it. I love it. Um, like It's like Pixar 101 right there. So, um, but yeah, The Bear, just watch the first episode and see how you feel. Uh, but man, cool. I, I challenge you to not watch that second episode right away. Yeah.
1: We're certainly going to try to watch it. Hopefully we catch up with it this week and then we can talk about it more next. Um, yes. Next episode. Uh, hopefully we can get through the first two seasons, which was the uh, first season was how long? Like eight, nine episodes. It's
2: eight episodes. Second season is 10 episodes and they're about 30 minute episodes. So. Oh, okay.
1: Oh, that's uh, not bad. I thought, yeah, it, it thought they were like really easy 45 minute hour episodes. No. No, like, oh, I think the cool. finales
2: are longer, but most episodes are about 30.
1: Well, that's even better. Like now that gets me even more excited to watch them. Yeah. Um great. Yeah. So guys, go check out the bear. Uh it's on Hulu now. I think it, it's an FX show, right? Am I yeah, right? Or, yeah. yeah. Um, just a couple quick tidbits I wanted to bring up just before we close out. No, we're almost finished here. Um, one thing I really want to talk about because I think just think this is really cool. I just kind of want to read it real quick, just be a really fast thing. Um, so Matt uh, Rob Mac. McAuleny, Rob McAuleny, who plays Mac on it. So is Honey in Philadelphia. He's also in the Welcome to Wexham Wexham uh, Football Club show. Uh, mm-hmm. Him and Ryan Reynolds own a football team over in England. Um, And don't come after, I don't know if it's England or not. I don't know. I know it's somewhere overseas in in a European country. Um, So he, he announced, or he was talking about it yesterday. Uh, This is just his tweet. And I thought it was really cool. Um, So he was recently diagnosed. He says, I was recently diagnosed with a host of neurodevelopmental disorders and learning disabilities at age 46. This guy has been in Hollywood. He's been doing a lot of great things. Um, He's doing great. He went through the whole full diagnosis, prognosis, and um, he's actually going to be talking. He has a podcast, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia podcast where they kind of rewatch the show and talk about episodes and stuff but he'll be discussing his whole thing on that show with the next couple of weeks um he goes on in the tweet it's not something i would normally talk about publicly but i figured there are others who struggle with similar things and i wanted to remind you that you're not alone you're not stupid you are not quote unquote bad it might feel that way sometimes but it's not true um I love it when uh, people, especially successful people, people who have done things, people who are, you know, out there living their dreams and stuff like that, come out and publicly announce that, you know, they have these things because it shows that no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're struggling with, it is different for everybody, but there is hope at the end of that tunnel. Don't look down on yourself. Don't, um, think you can't do something because you can. Uh, I just wanted to talk because that's super, super important to me. I'm in the same boat. He is. I've actually recently been diagnosed with a couple things. Um, I'm still going through the prognosis and everything still so to get diagnosed. So um so good for good on you. Uh, thank you so much Rob uh, for being open about that and that's going to help a lot of people. So we really really appreciate that. So I want to talk about that and this is on a little bit more kind of it's a lot more serious now. It's or, I mean a lot more uh, happier note I should say a lot more less serious. It's not serious at all. Um so I'm a huge fan of Disney parks. I love Disneyland, all these things and I just like to give people the heads up so in case you guys didn't know um, the Haunted Mansion is actually going to be closing August 14th to make way for the Nightmare Before Christmas um, layover, so, which opens September 1st. Um, so just letting you guys know, anyone making plans to go to Disney parks like we are, we will be there on the 17th, which is a bummer. Um, Missed it by three days because it's my favorite ride there, but um, we're going to miss the whole thing. So, um, But yeah, just want to throw that out there. And it's kind I of a weird timing. Yeah, that- sorry. If, I, I'm just
2: curious. Which which haunted mansion do you prefer? Do you like the normal or do you like the nightmare?
1: I like them both. I I love nightmare. Like nightmare, it just brings a whole new level. But like the haunted mansion itself is like my favorite ride at the at the park. Like in general, so it's man but I I love seeing like Jack Skellington and living in that world. And it feels like Christmas, right? Like it feels like that Halloween vibe. Like, it's just really cool. That's when, you know, Halloween is near and cooler weather and all that stuff. So that's what I love about it. Um, it's a tough one though, man. Uh, which one do you prefer?
2: I prefer the original oh, um, the original. okay, I, it's just because it was the same. I think for the longest time throughout my life, Haunted Mansion was my favorite. yeah. um but it's now at the point where like it's it's nightmare like
1: six months out of the year. It's amazing. crazy well, it's
2: like not six months, but you know what I mean? like almost half of the year. it's like it's insane. Nightmare. Uh, I, I still this, yeah i still like it but yeah i prefer the original
1: yeah i think disneyland and disney uh disneyland tokyo i think might be the only two that actually do the the mm. um the, the overlay um i know florida doesn't um but yeah but anyways it's closing off august 14th so get there before that if you want to experience the haunted mansion in all of its regular glory until this is gonna be the last time you'll be able to write it until what next june maybe or not june sorry uh january i think is when they change it back to regular haunted mansion again right. so i don't know but anyways it does seem like weird timing just because to the haunted mansion movie is coming out at the end of this month yeah gonna be shutting down the ride for to turn it into it just i don't know it's just weird timing it just seems super odd But anyways. Thank you guys for checking out the show. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Christian, thank you so much for being on. I really enjoy talking about all that stuff. And hopefully hopefully next week, by the time we do this again, fingers crossed that the... um, Everything's resolved as far as the SAG-AFTRA goes, at least, and they're able to move on and do their thing. Um, otherwise, we'll be talking about that again, because I'm sure there will be stuff coming out throughout the week if it's not um, solved, um, resolved. Um, but thank you guys for checking it out. Remember to go check out those websites and uh, donate if you can, help them out, go down there. Um, yeah, go go help them out down there. They can really use it. So, uh I'm excited for our uh, Oppenheimer Barbie double feature next weekend. So much to talk about on Sunday. Holy crap. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. I love to know what you all are going to watch, what you all are excited about. Please let us know in the comments. Um, And yeah, we will see you guys next week. And uh, yeah, you guys have a good night. Take care of yourselves and each other. And as usual, stay nerdy, America. (laughs) Bye-bye.